With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Desert Dogcast, Five for Howling's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. Unfortunately, Rob is not able to join us, but I am Carl Pavlock here with Rose Ford. Hi, everyone. And we are back from our long break, getting ready to talk to some Coyotes news. Yes, and the Coyotes are back from their um, all-star break, too, even though they didn't really have an (laughs) (laughs) all-star. I mean, if a coach can be an all-star, then I guess that's it. Um, Yeah, but a coach doesn't participate in the skills competition. A coach doesn't participate in the actual game on the ice. It was nice that he was there, but even on the broadcast, they kept showing his assistant coach, Wayne Gretzky. But, you know, I'm not bitter or anything at all. I kind of wish they had made Tuckett participate in the skills competition. That would have been fun, at least. Yeah, have a little bit of fun with it. Um, You know? Throw him in a Coyotes jersey. It's not like he hasn't worn it before. Yeah, he could rock the, like, the The Kachina. He could wear, like, an actual vintage Kachina. That would have been amazing. NHL, you drop the ball. I know. Completely drop the ball on that one. They could have had him out on the ice for the skills comp in the vintage Kachina, especially the one that they gave him when he was made head coach. Because Stan Wilson found it. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm not sure how well other fan bases know this. Uh, I don't know what our fan base is made of. Coyotes fans have a complicated relationship with Wayne Gretzky, especially related to coaching. Now, okay, this was Tockett's decision to invite Gretzky to be his assistant. This was not the league's decision. When I kind of understand it, because when Wayne Gretzky coached here, Tockett was his assistant. (laughs) So, and, you know, he went through all that gambling mess that um, he got in trouble for gambling on some football games or something like that while while, um, Gretzky was his head coach and he was the assistant. And he ended up getting suspended, but they kept him around after that and everything was fine. (laughs) But, um, so, I understand why Tockett wanted to do it. So, I don't... Sure get annoyed at that um i did note that you know coaching went much better this time around with rick tockett in charge and wayne as the assistant because you know the pacific division actually won yeah i mean with 
then there were like two hat tricks in the game or something? I think it would be tough for the Pacific to lose the All-Star Tournament, especially with Connor McDavid. Um, yeah, but it was Thomas Hurdle and Leon Dreisaitl at the hat tricks. Sure. I mean, Dreisaitl is also extremely good. So, and this I, is I like, true. I like Hurdle. Um, yeah, I, I he's a very a underrated player. Yeah. Which is surprising to me because he had a insane uh, rookie season. Um, and I think he was really good for the longest time. And then just the Sharks decided to collapse. And so it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate for him. You know, but other teams who, you know, maybe aren't doing so good get to send more than one all-star. But no, not us. Yeah. It's fine. It, it was... I was thinking about it a lot. And I know Anaheim didn't get an all-star either. I'm aware of that. Because they're almost as red-headed as we are. Red-headed stepchildren. (laughs) I mean, L.A. got one, and they're L.A. this season, so... Yeah. I I don't necessarily know who you would have gotten instead, or in addition to Kemper. I honestly thought... Jacob Chikrin? Yeah, I wanted to see Chikrin get the all-star now. Or, you know, Keller, because it was his hometown. Yeah, sure. Uh, Like, it should have been a simple move for the NHL to be like, hey, we have this situation. Uh, We're going to cancel the fan vote for just the Pacific Division. It's fine. People would have cared for five seconds. No, you can't do that. I just really? don't like the whole last man in fan vote. I'm like, what the hell is that? Just freaking pick people. Yeah. It, it's the NHL is going to be trying to make the all-star game relevant. I think for the next 20 years, and then they're either going to figure it out or more likely they're going to just realize oh, that it's never going to be relevant. Well, it's an all-star game. You have to constantly tweak it and improve it. Otherwise it gets stale and boring. So they're going to have to constantly change it. That's just the nature of a a non-essential game. (laughs) I mean, in general, I think it's stale and boring. So, right. Like, and I've heard ways of kind of making it better, having like the winning division, like be home for more games in the final or, or something. I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I suggested that maybe the winning division actually gets to be the division that hosts the Winter Classic next. That'd be nice. <laughs> or host the All-Star Game, although that, I'm sure, requires so much scheduling and stuff. But, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, well, I assume that for the players, at least, hosting the All-Star Game probably doesn't mean very much. But they all seem to want to participate in the Winter Classic because it's like the premier event. So, Knowing the NHL, they would like blow it and they'd be like, you get to host a stadium game. And- <laughs> the stadium series. Half the time, I don't even know who's playing in the stadium series every year. Like, yeah. who is it even this year? <laughs> uh... Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh- 
I was trying to remember, uh, but I think I'm thinking of the Heritage Classic. It was two very underwhelming teams for one of them. Uh, uh, the Heritage... I don't even know who's in the Heritage Classic. That's always in Canada, so I don't care. Yeah. Oh, right. The Stadium Series this year is the Kings versus Avalanche, and they have the worst jerseys I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Those are... Those are not good. Oh. Yeah. Um... But the Kings, they were bad last season. Why would you give them a thing? I, I don't get it. Um, I am not a marketing person. I do not know how to run a billion-dollar industry that is the NHL. But it seems like they have difficulty in pushing low-market teams to make them have the appeal to the general public. It, if you are a big market team that's doing good, great. They know what to do with you. If you're a big market team that's doing terribly, they're still going to try and put you in things because they know it's going to sell to their fan base, but it's not necessarily going to grow the game in a way. Yeah. And, yeah. No, you're right there. And I know that um, for the Winter Classic this season, Dallas and um, Nashville were actually able to sell out an 85,000 seat stadium. Yeah. Which is impressive. But unfortunately, their TV ratings took a major hit. But again, I don't know how exactly those ratings are, if they're properly calculated either. Yeah. Or if they're still using Nielsen ratings. I don't know how many people have cut the cord and if they're getting counted. Yeah, it feels like we should know more about how many people are actually watching something, but it almost feels like we know less. Yeah. But there's also people who are way more big picture at the very least than us, so I'm going to defer to them for now. Although, having the Kings be in any kind of big thing... It's not good unless you just want to push the avalanche, which I could, yeah, I could do that. Like, we need the avalanche to be on everyone's mind, have them beat up the kings for 60 minutes on national television. Yeah, there is a little bit of hate watch that might going on, might be going on too, because we are not the only, um, the only fan market that wants to see the kings get beat up on. Yeah, but I also don't. Like the avalanche? Yeah, I'm not over fond of them either, but they're, they're, yeah. at least they have McKinnon. I like him. Yeah. I'm indifferent towards McKinnon. Uh, I respect him as a player. Know nothing about him and beyond that. Uh, I know he's constantly being called underrated, and I am almost yeah, kind of... Yeah, nobody can say that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's this great... still saying that, they're just wrong. Uh, who was it? The Athletic did a player poll, and I think they said Barkov is the most underrated for like the fourth year in a row. Yeah, um, that just means that the players think he's not getting enough media attention, which is going to be the case for any um, small media market team like the one in Florida yeah. <laughs> or in Arizona. <laughs> Or yeah. the one in Dallas, or you know, along that Sun Belt that isn't LA. 
Yeah. But, I mean, we should probably talk about some actual coyotes hockey. Uh, (laughs) There has been a lot of coyotes hockey played in the the month of January before the All-Star break came up. Most of it not great. Yeah, the team has been on a bit of a slide. But hopefully they can bounce back and have a strong February because I'd like them to actually get back to being first in the division and, um, you know, maybe get a little distance between them and the rest of the Pacific. That would be nice. Every time I look at the Pacific, I'm just like, how and why? Why is it like this? (laughs) The parody is nuts when your first place team and your fifth place team are three points apart that's 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 a little too much parody <laughs> and then just such a steep decline after that so it's like yeah. okay yeah yeah because uh. then san jose is in sixth place and they are currently uh math here nine points behind the fifth place team (laughs) and then the ducks with 43 they are nine points back of the worst team of the central (laughs) (laughs) so that goes to show like what kind of drop you could have in hockey um i love it though it's it's chaos uh i cannot wait until the last few games of the season because every game matters every single one matters (laughs) and man i was so excited last season when the the turn of the the when the second half of the season came and we were still playing games that mattered in january and february and march and then just just barely missed the playoffs yeah i want the playoffs this year At least with the way it's looking right now, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, the Coyotes would still make it in. And they have a pretty decent lead for the wildcard spots over the Central teams. And like on the Central, you get the Blackhawks and the Jets. Predators, I can see them. They're able to come back. So I'm still comfortable in the idea that the coyotes are going to make the playoffs it'd be nice to get home ice it'd be nice to win another division title yeah that would be nice but just playoffs yeah playoffs is uh is nice um i think i think at this point consistency is just it's a major just killer for this team they are not consistent from one night to the other yeah, and it's hard to really discern why. You know, I know they've had schedule issues like in November, and February is going to be another tough schedule month. But, um, yeah, they got to figure out why they aren't being consistent every night. I mean, when you look at, like, even just this month, they beat the Flyers 6-2. They beat the Panthers 5-2. 4-3 or 4-0 lost to the Lightning, understandable. 
3-0 loss to the Hurricane, that's bad. And then, well, no, the Hurricanes are a pretty good team, though. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They have basically the same team now. And, um, I mean, even at that time, they were only missing Justin Williams. So they've been... But still, they, being shut out I, twice in a row. That is bad, yes. Especially when we... But we are know they're an offense-starved team. Should they be as offensively starved now, though? That's like, the question. What is it that's causing the offense to die? Uh, can you say that again? I kind of broke up for a second. I said, what is it that's causing the offense to die? Oh, that's... I mean, next person who answers that correctly gets to be the new assistant head coach. Because... Uh, <laughs> yeah, because clearly Cl- Tockett uh, hasn't figured it out yet either. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... I don't know. It's, it's the wrong time to say this, I think. Um, but so much of going into the season, I thought John McClain's would be like majorly on the hot seat because he runs the offense. It's something that the team has consistently struggled with in his tenure. And to be fair before it, um, but we've also seen plenty of players leave the coyotes and have some of the best career or seasons of their career. Max Domi did it with the Canadians. Anthony Duclair is doing it with the senators. Although I do not know if that should count because he has struggled in a lot of places. Yeah, uh, he good struggled for him for finally with you as his coach, and he struggled with Tortorella as his coach, too. So yeah. I don't know if that is on Tockett or sure. McLean in your case. Um, yeah. I always put it on the head coach because ultimately he's, he's the one in charge. So even if yeah. he's not running the offense specifically – He's running the guy who is running the offense. And at the end of the day, it is absolutely the head coach's responsibility. Um, especially if he doesn't take steps to address it properly. Right. Which, I, I, and again, I'm not in the room. I don't know what's going on. But right. if I had to point to one thing that the Coyotes need to do better, it's the offense. And I'm not at this point entirely convinced it's a personnel problem. I think it may be a systems issue. And if that's just kind of the well, downside for the system we have, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. But the other question, though, is, is it also a defense problem? Because we actually need more offense from the defense, too. Sure. Because um, the defense, you know... They're supposed to be jumping into the rush and getting into the play and doing all of that. But we haven't seen many goals from the defense at all this year. Yeah. Um, Other than Chikrin, of course, who... Yeah. Who's been doing extremely well. He's having his best season, but everybody else on on the defense needs to step up. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's it's one of those things where I don't want to blame the defense too much because they are, you know, the team's not letting goals get scored, which is one of the major responsibilities. But yeah, it's 
I don't know. I I can't fault them too much for it, but yeah, everybody needs to get more offensive minded or maybe they're just so worried about it that they're gripping their sticks and making things worse rather than better. I don't know. That's yeah, definitely a possibility for something like this. Uh, I, I think, I don't know if there's anyone right now who would say that the coyotes are a perfect team and there's no room for, for improvement. I don't know where that improvement is going to be this offseason, but I I don't know. If the way thing the way things are going, I think we may need a new voice in the room. Not talk it, because I think he brings a lot to that. But I think there's a pretty glaring weakness here. And it was something that I think most people identified last season. And that may be the coach for the forwards. And maybe I'm completely off base. Who knows? Because we're well, also having maybe it's the one assistant that they hadn't changed. True. Yeah. You know, and I liked. Um, oh, what was the other guy's name? I liked him, but I can't remember his name. Oh. Scott something. Scott Allen. Scott Allen. Okay. Yeah, I liked him. I liked the way he ran the defense too. So. Yeah. Uh, everybody was confused why they let him go rather than John McLean. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's not like the defense has been terrible. Uh, no, it no. hasn't been terrible. It just, the defense hasn't been offensive enough. <laughs> sure. Which, I mean, you would kind of expect that with the current assistant head coach who's running the defenseman who is Phil Housley Phil Housley Luna is on the team staff page I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a I had a brain fart moment I was like let me pull up the staff why is Luna on there okay sure why not uh, She's an essential member of the team. Uh, I always feel like a terrible person where I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of over the dogs being on the NHL teams. Like it was fun at first, but I think it's a bit too much now. I think it's, I still think it's great because they are doing it for um, service dogs. Yeah. Everyone, please feel free to send in your hate mail uh, to me exclusively. No one else. I'm the one with the terrible opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, consistency is definitely going to be an issue for the Coyotes. If we can get decent offense at a consistent rate and back to getting really good defense, I think that the team is going to move up in the standings and if nothing else, make the playoffs, which yeah. like you I said, they're is still key. in a playoff spot despite the bad January, yeah. you know, so they just need to turn it around and get consistent. And it's nice now that they have Yarmolson back and Kemper's getting closer to returning from injury. So yeah. that'll Hopefully be good. will help. I, I gotta imagine having Yarmelson is going to just hopefully clear up everything. And again, there was the loss to Edmonton before the break, and that was brutal. Yeah, but wasn't that like his first game back? 
Was it his first? First or second. Yeah, true. So, he he came back, like, just before the break, so. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm going to give a pass on that. Yeah, I, I think he definitely gets a pass. I, and I don't think there's one player who, the t- who you can necessarily call out and be like, it's his fault. He's doing this. Because... I mean, hockey's a team sport. The team has won as a team. It's why I wasn't too surprised that there wasn't another player representing them at the All-Star game because it's always been kind of right. a, a scoring by committee, winning by committee. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to who follow other teams who were surprised that the leading goal scorer is Connor, Mc, or Connor Garling and the leading point getter is... Uh, Nick Schmoltz. Like, no one saw that coming. Well, True. They should maybe seen Schmoltz being that, but yeah. Yeah. But it's not like Keller's that far behind Schmoltz. I mean, he's only got, you know, two points behind him. True. And I would say for anyone who was surprised that Keller was the last man in nominee, so much of that is also name recognition and Keller has it. Yeah, plus I think the team probably has a hand in that selection, and they wanted Keller because of the St. Louis connection. Yeah. There was actually a decent chance Keller could have gotten that, but say lovey. Hopefully he took that time to rest, and he's going to have a great last 31 games. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Is this the break time? Alright. Um yeah. Let's uh let's cut to a quick commercial and when we're back we're gonna be talking about some fun stuff with trades. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. Uh, so, Rose, uh, I want to talk to you about this one. It's a Sports Illustrated article. Six swing teams who could shape the 2020 NHL trade deadline by Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. Uh, and the Coyotes are not surprisingly included on there. Um yeah, which uh, that's kind of surprising to me because John Shika isn't exactly fond of the trade deadline. But uh, let's True. hear the what the what Matt Larkin had to say. <laughs> well, I, w- I will point out that the Coyotes have pretty much already shaped the trade deadline just in getting Taylor Hall, um, because that has absolutely shaped what the trade line deadline is going to be. Although, yeah, he, if they hadn't gonna... got him, someone else would have. 
Right. He was going to be the biggest, you know, trade deadline acquisition available, except he's already been traded. Yeah. So, uh, this is something I'm going to read a little bit verbatim. I don't want to read the entire thing. Everyone should go check it out, either on Sports Illustrated. um, Which is um, SI.com. SI.com. SI.com slash NHL slash... Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fun bit, but uh, I'd be stealing it from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, so they talk start off talking about the fact that the Coyotes got the number one UFA rental, Taylor Hall. Um, but right now, with the team being again in a wild card spot, uh, Matt writes. What happens if the Desert Dogs continue to slump and sit outside the playoff picture in a few weeks? Suddenly, GM John Chaco would find himself sitting on the trade market's number one UFA rental. It would surely be a painful move to make, but what if if a team offered far more than what Chaco paid to get Hall? Arizona also has an appealing UFA bottom six center option to dangle in Steve Carl Soderberg. Not to mention several veterans with a year left on their deals. Defenseman Nicholas Jarmelson, Jason Demers, Alex Goligoski, and Jordan Osterley, and goalie Antti Ranta. It would be a crushing disappointment if the Coyotes had to become sellers. Um, but, yeah. So, oh. My. God. So before you you get on, because I know that you have thoughts on this, I do want to say that, from my understanding of this post, it is a what if the absolute worst thing happens and the Coyotes tank in such a way that they are completely outside the playoffs. That is the scenario we are looking at. And I, the author doesn't write how likely he thinks that is. I have to say at this point, just looking at the standings, it's extremely unlikely, but possible. If it were to happen to any team, I think happening to Arizona would be insanely major because there are a lot of pieces, but I don't think it's going to happen. But now, take it away. That is so ridiculous. That is the most ridiculous thing. I have heard. Okay. So, yeah, the there's a chance the Coyotes might not make the playoffs because they're in a wild card spot, except for the fact that the standings are so f- close because of that parity in the Pacific Division that we talked about before. They are literally three points away from first place. That's one win and one overtime loss, guys. That's it. And they're back in first place. So I find it utterly ridiculous that they would tank to the point that they would sell everybody. I don't think so. So we're going to sell, you know, our almost our entire decor, our 1B goalie and Taylor Hall, who we just acquired. No. I don't think so. I don't think we would do that if we missed the playoffs. And even if they missed the playoffs, they wouldn't miss by that much. Yeah. This is not L.A. This is not Anaheim. This is not San Jose, who are so far out they shouldn't even be considering it. Yeah, the Coyotes could miss the playoffs. 
they're not going to do it in a month either. <laughs> it should be noted the trade deadline is the end of February, and I think the the team would have to absolutely collapse in a way that's just ridiculous for them to not even think to themselves like, you know what we. We still have a chance shot and we're going for it by the trade deadline. They would have to lose, I don't know, every game in February. <laughs> I haven't done the math on it. Maybe I will later, but that's just the dumbest thing to be that far out of the playoffs that you're going to be a complete fire sale. No, we're not doing another rebuild. We're going for it this year. Even if we do happen to miss, we're still going to want to keep most of these pieces to try again next season. Yeah. I mean, Hall, I, I, I don't know what the team's negotiations with him and his representation is because I, I think that's always been kind of key. Is there a possibility that the team could re-sign Hall? Yeah. With a, with a year left on their deal, we're not getting rid of Yarmulsen. We're not getting rid of Demers. We can't get rid of Goligoski. Yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, Osterley's having a down year. Um, and the but he's defense young, is he can kind of. Back. He, he's young, he can bounce back. And I'm not sure that the team is necessarily happy with Labushkin this year. Um, right. You know, and okay, if we have that utter failure and complete collapse by the trade deadline. I could maybe then see them moving on Ranta. Maybe because he's kind of lost the starter's position with all of his injuries. But what kind of... What are you going to get for him when he's been this injured? Not much. I mean, in general, he's a goaltender. If you look historically at what they get you, it's not much. Yeah. Like especially at the trade if, deadline because it's hard to acclimate to a new team that quickly. Yeah. For goalies. I would say like the only reason I could see it happening at the trade deadline is if a contender like has their starting goalie go down with an injury. That would be the only thing. But but yeah, that's I get People want to be pessimistic about the Coyotes because I'm a Coyotes fan, and being pessimistic about the Coyotes is what we do. But yeah, but Matt Larkin isn't a Coyotes fan, and the rest of the media world is still pessimistic about and unbelieving in the Coyotes because it wasn't that long ago that Justin Bourne from The Athletic also did a piece about how the Coyotes should consider trading Hall at the deadline if they miss out on the playoffs. Yeah. And I understand that Justin doesn't believe in the team, but he also doesn't watch it. So, excuse me, Justin, but you can just stay up in your ivory tower in Toronto and leave us to the desert. Thank you very much. He did used to live in Arizona, though. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's staying up late to watch the game. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. As, as someone who has had to write takes before I can sometimes get the, the pressure of being like I need to write something and I am often team chaos so let's let's say Hall is really in the market again um, but I don't get it I think it's it would be tough for me to think of a worse thing 
for the perception of how the team is going to be moving forward from this point forward than trading Taylor Hall. Yeah. I don't know if there is a B-plus level prospect because, let's be honest, that's what you're going to get at the trade deadline that is worth the potential fan backlash for this move. I- yeah, not only the fan backlash, but probably the corporate sponsor backlash, too. I mean, sure. you know, Matt Lark and, and Justin Bourne may not be aware, but the Coyotes are actually using Taylor Hall as a major advertising piece right now. Um, it's true. Including I have seen reports. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I live in downtown Phoenix on 16th Avenue. Right across the street from me is a billboard, and I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Taylor Hall on there. Right, and they're also doing that um, ticket packet package called the Hall Pass, <laughs> where you get a certain number of games for a certain price. I don't know. I'm a season ticket holder, so I don't look at those packages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the traditional thing would be teams out of the playoffs trade your pending free agent fans are going to be happy to at least get the return that is absolutely not the case for the coyotes fan base in taylor hall this season the mentality is not there no uh, not at all and plus uh, i have no sources on this i have no reason to believe this but i can't help but think that one of the reasons that John Shika brought Taylor Hall in when he did was so that he could introduce him to the market and have a chance at re-signing him because if uh, a free agent just goes to to UFA, especially a high-end free agent who's going to get courted by everybody under the sun like Taylor Hall, the Coyotes don't get a chance um, because sure. they don't know anything about the market. They don't know anything about the place. All they hear are the rumors. By bringing him in, John Chica gets to show him that most of that crap isn't true. Yeah. And then we got a new owner. Um, I mean, fans should remember that the reason we have Alex Golgowski is because we gave up a, what was that, a fifth round, fifth round pick, pick to bring him here to give him the sale and he I, if I recall he didn't even necessarily want to go to Arizona before that but he was impressed by what the team was was telling him and yes and they courted, courted him now yeah. whether or not you think that was a, a good deal or the right move in hindsight I can understand your point however at the time that was John Shika's first deal and um, it was the first time we've had a legit free agent sign here in a long time. I, I will say I still agree that that move was the right call. Uh, I think Al got, Alex Golgowski gets a little bit too much crap. I I think so too. Although when I look at the rest of the decor that Shika has built since then, he's the piece I'd be most willing to move. You know, I don't really care about the third pair. You could exchange those in and out with whomever <laughs> that doesn't matter sure. but when it comes to the top four he'd be the piece I'd be most willing to let go of I thought he had really good chemistry with Chikrin though. he does and that does make me reconsider it but I don't know 
I'd like to see, I don't know, maybe put Chikrin and Damaris together and see what they do. And then yeah, but then who's playing with Yarmulks and oh. Ollie together? Sure, I know everyone says that it didn't work, but they're forgetting that in the second half of the last season, it was mostly Yarmulson and Ollie together. Sure. I, I do like Ollie and Demers. Um so I, I'm always hesitant to break that up. But it, it would—it's something that you could at least play around with more. Um, right. Well, maybe if the games didn't matter so much, you could. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This upcoming preseason, you could play around with it more, because <laughs> uh, I think that that is going to be something that happens. I really you have an extra piece on the defense now, but then of course you also have injuries, so maybe having an extra piece isn't so bad. I'm I'm curious to see if Victor Soderstrom like makes a splash and oh, yeah. ends up with a team. Um, yeah, and of especially... course, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, and also AHL players, Capo Bianca. Yeah, I was going to mention Capo Bianco too. We're on the same page. Nearly, nearly NHL ready, ready if not already ready. I mean, he's still recovering from that knee injury, I'm sure, because it usually yeah. takes players to get back to, like, a year to get back to where they were. <laughs> Yeah, I I am I'm surprised that we're not seeing more of him this season. And I'm I'm curious what the general fan base's opinion of him is. I think we brought this up last year uh, <laughs> with Rob. Um just I, I don't know hockey fans can sometimes be very like monk like if it's in your your line of sight, you're going to remember a lot more than say, a player who's stuck in out the Out of sight, NHL. out of mind, you mean? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not right in front of you, you don't see it. They yeah. definitely can be that way. Um, I don't I don't know that the fan base has made up their mind on Capo Bianco because he's only had like one or two games with them. <laughs> sure. But I think that could also be like a major thing. Um, I'm curious to see if people start comparing him to Brandon Gormley in the next couple. If he doesn't make it next season, I wonder if that's going to apply. Although I still think he has plenty of time. I still think he has plenty of time, but also there's a chance that Victor Soderstrom bumps him in the rotation. You know, but we do have all these, these... defensemen who are going to be going UFA and who knows how many of them are going to resign. Who knows if the team wants to resign? We got the list. Um, I can see... Entire top four. Except for Chicken and Ollie. I I don't know how much longer Yarmulson is going to want to play just because the things that he does in hockey make me hurt so i cannot imagine how bad it feels to be him yeah um yeah but all their contracts end after 2021 yeah so we still got plenty of time for that 
it's still this season. We shouldn't be worried too much about next season. But right, right. Yeah, I am. I want them to resign Hall, so you know, clearing a little bit gap space to do that. I also wouldn't necessarily mind if the team gets some more players um, at the trade deadline. And you mentioned that it's not necessarily Chaka's thing, but I. If you could do an upgrade on maybe like, I, I, I doubt there's going to be a top six, but something to secure it. Who's to say that like throwing in a Jordan Osterley to sweeten the pot isn't going to be needed for something like that? And I wouldn't mind the team doing something like that, especially for a player who's not necessarily in the top four or top six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to mess up with the defense too much, that's all. Because I think it's pretty solid. True. Honestly, I'm going to have a real hard time letting go of any players. I don't even like seeing Michael Grabner get scratched. (laughs) You know, and I want Barrett, but I also want Barrett Hayton to be able to play, and I want Christian Fisher to be able to play, too. So it's like, who are you okay letting go of? Uh, for me, gun to my head, Fisher. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was really hoping he would have a big season this year, since mm-hmm. pending it's the last year of a contract. He's looking to impress. I, I just, I haven't seen it, uh, and I've seen flashes of it every every year, but I want consistency and I don't know if he's just not getting the, the good ice time or if he's not earning necessarily the good ice time I, I really want Fisher to turn his game around and be like a really legitimately good power forward but yeah, the longer I it goes on I can admit that I haven't seen it either but yeah, I kind of don't want to give up on him yet either that's all I, it is I remember the after the first season that Fisher played, I was talking to my sister and I was like, you know, I really am excited to see Fisher come up. I'm sure he's having a great AHL season. And she reminded me, he's been with the team for the entire year. And I'm like, huh, I probably should have known that, but I don't think there's anything in this game that's impressed that upon me. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Although, caveat, as I've said before and will continue to say, Fisher is a much better hockey player than I am at anything, so... Of course. I mean, that goes to say for any NHL player, of course. But, you know, maybe he just needs to be in a top six role to be productive, you know? And he's just not going to be able to crack that here. Yeah. So... I mean, with the way... Tockett has like shuffled the lines so much like look who Kessel is playing with um, I feel like there's been a, everyone's had a chance to, to do something like I'm sure Fisher has been on the ice with Kessel at points and probably has he played with Keller yet this season for, for five minutes honestly Maybe. I don't think so but usually it's it's the centers you worry about who they're playing with. So, like, has he played with Dvorak or Stepan? I don't think so. Mm. 
I mean, he's mostly been playing with Soderbergh. Which, I mean... Yeah. I'm trying to think of it. Or Richardson. Uh, Fisher is one of those players where... I, I, I want more. I think yeah. Vinny Hinestroza this season has is, is also become that player. Um, yeah, I agree. Like I said, I don't really want to see anybody go, but I'll have to accept it if somebody does have to go in order to keep Taylor Hall. Yeah. I want to keep Taylor Hall. At the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, sports are cutthroat and like you need to make the best moves you can for the team. And of course, these are players' lives and where they're going to be living for a year and how they're going to be making their living. But you really need to be comfortable with making those hard decisions, uh, both at, in the front office and also as a fan. Um, it sucks when your favorite player is traded, but if it's for the good of the team, then it's for the good of the team. Um, yeah. And it's not like, you know, trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. <laughs> Man, it's crazy that Edmonton is somehow the better team. Although not, because it's Edmonton, but... Uh, better it's, it's than who? <laughs> the New Jersey. <laughs> better than New Jersey. Yeah, okay. Fair. <laughs> well you know they have done things to turn that around after completely messing a few things up so you gotta give them credit and Dave Tippett has always been able to get the most out of less than stellar squads so very true uh should also be known while we were talking about that uh article uh also featured in there we have the calgary flames the edmonton oilers and the vegas golden knights so pretty much it's like higher pacific (laughs) yes are all gonna be trade deadline (laughs) it it's possible matt is just hedging his bets is like look one of these guys is gonna collapse and if I put all three of them, at least I'm one six right. <laughs> Which, yeah. if so, kudos. Uh, I plan on trying something similar. And, and next time I have to do a major prediction post, be like, uh, the Coyotes are going to be really good, really bad, or somewhere in the middle. One of those three. <laughs> well, you're guaranteed to be right. <laughs> And I'm sure that one of these teams will shape the end. Although... Yeah, absolutely. One of those teams is going to end up shaping the trade deadline by falling off a cliff. I don't think so. I think think it's going to be a quiet trade deadline because so... Especially for the Pacific Division teams because so many of them are in the race. Yeah. And just GM psychology, we know that no GM wants to look stupid, so no one's going to do, like, a major move. Let alone five or six major moves. Yeah. Uh, we The fact that we had, like, an early season trade for Taylor Hall is 
astonishing if you look at how because only Shaka would do that. Yes. Everybody else was willing to, you know, probably wait and see, and they didn't want to pay the hefty price so soon. But he's like, nope, let's do it. Us in Colorado, only teams with any kind of ah. But it's so you think it's going to be a slow trade deadline? I think it's going to be know, probably also slow. I was going to try and think of a way try where it was going to be, be interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not going to be a major. Look, I know every media guy out there tries to predict that the trade deadline is going to heat up and this guy's going to be available and that guy's going to be available and they're just juicing themselves up for disappointment because (laughs) between cap issues and um, GMs not wanting to look like idiots there is no trade deadline anymore (laughs) yeah if there's no RFAs there's no trade deadline right Uh, RFAs are getting paid now <laughs> Which they're not going to get traded. There's no more bridge feel, deals. I feel really bad for a gener, well, not a generation, like five or five to ten years of players who are like, no, no, just just grind it out, sign your trade deal or your bridge deal, and, and you'll get money later. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Now it's like, eh, we want to pay the young guy money. It's like, I was a young guy. You didn't pay me money. But it's yeah, 2020 man. now. Uh, yeah, that just kind of stinks for the guys who are the in-betweeners. Yeah. Although in-betweeners, great show. Uh, highly recommend it. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen it, so maybe I'll check it out. It is British and pretty hilarious. Uh Actually, I saw it a long time ago. I'm not sure if it holds up. So if it's not good anymore, don't blame me. Don't blame you. (laughs) That is the unofficial tagline for this episode. Do not blame me. Really? I thought that was just our unofficial tagline entirely. Don't blame me. True. (laughs) This episode specific, it's like uh, it it, it can do multiple things. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, the trade deadline talk is going to heat up before the end of February. So prepare yourselves, everyone, because every time the Coyotes lose, someone's going to be out there sniffing around saying, oh, they're going to trade Taylor Hall. (laughs) Honestly, Coyotes fans, you know the drill. People are going to be terrible. Uh, No one's going to expect this team to do anything. Good. Lord, how many trade proposals did we get about OEL when he was flat out saying he didn't want to leave? Uh, When I thought, you know, he might have committed a little bit of tampering by saying on the radio he wanted an eight-year deal. (laughs) Just some light tampering. It's fine. I know some agents like to negotiate through the media. I never knew players did. <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works. And it worked out for him. It certainly worked out for him. He signed right on July 1st, like I said he would. 
<laughs> Although I haven't seen much for his clothing line, like I feel like it's really taken a hit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's doing much for the clothing line anymore. In fact, I don't even think you can go to the website anymore. So. Uh, let's find out. Uh, I'm checking the official OEL of Sweden Twitter page. Last updated in 2016. Great. Yeah. So. <laughs> I will say that his uh, initial thing of selling hats and underwear was, was probably not the best. Oh, no, you can still go to the website. My bad. <laughs> Gonna get me an OEL hat. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to have wanted to design much anymore. Mm. I mean, I get it. I was... How old was he when that happened? Like, 23? 24? Yeah, it was when he first came into the league. Yeah. Uh, trust me, the things that I thought I was going to be doing when I was that age... Uh, yeah. They, they fell through. Uh, he at least tried hey, at something. Least, yeah, he had the chance. <laughs> Got it. Actually done. Most of us don't get that far. <laughs> nope. Well, Anything so else? So, uh, forward to for February. For February. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the return of Darcy Kemper. I think yeah. that's going to be huge. Um. Team's got a couple of East Coast trips, and earlier in the season, great on the road. I hope we can find our footing on the road again. That'd be that'd be great. Uh, yeah, it's really weird how that narrative flipped in January. Hmm. And and I'm sure most of it has to do with not having Darcy Kemper in the net too. But um, yeah, all of a sudden, great at home, not so good on the road. So maybe we just need to play Ronta at home and Kemper on the road. Yeah, that, that may work. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Inconsistency. Like, right. They could find a way to be consistently good someplace. That's that's all I want. <laughs> right. That's all any of us want. I don't know. I doubt it's going to happen, but hopefully there'll be a fun trade deadline. Hopefully something happens. I don't expect it to be us, but something... Just give me something, NHL. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, for February, I'm, I'm looking forward. It's going to be a bit of a rough schedule, so I don't know how many games I'm actually going to be able to go to or to watch. Um... I mean, because the East Coast trips are always hard to watch when I'm at work. Yep. You know, so I'll be listening to a lot of Bob Heathow for that. I mean, good person to listen to. Yep. Um, I am looking forward to the uh, Florida teams coming here and hopefully getting some revenge on the Tampa Bay Lightning there. And the Hurricanes, too. 
so maybe we can redeem ourselves from those shutouts. Hopefully. I know for sure the next game, or I know for sure I'm going to be going to the Buffalo game because hometown game, my, God, I got to go to that one. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to the Capitals game, so that should be fun. That's, I, I've I've always had fun at Capitals games. Um, one of the former editors for Five for Howling is a big Capitals fan, um, Carl Putnam. So that's always good. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I will potentially see you then. And. And here's hoping that the Coyotes can uh, turn things around and get back to their winning ways and stay in a playoff spot. Hopefully, I, I, I am really hoping we don't collapse. The team has come too far for there to be a major collapse at this point. Right, they need to stay in it. Yeah, but hopefully, um. Hopefully the break was did him good. Yep. So I, I think is that about it for this episode of the Desert Dogcast? Um. Well, well, I mean it's a it's hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day. Uh, so. Yeah, so if you're in Canada and hearing this today, you can tweet the hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Yeah, it's it's not exactly raise awareness for mental health issues. Which I really think is something we should be doing every day. Very true. And I think it's it's transcended Canada and become just a hockey thing. Uh, you shouldn't wait for just one day. If you have had mental health issues and you're comfortable talking about them, please talk about them with anyone you feel comfortable with. Uh, I know as someone who has dealt with my fair share of a few, it, it, talking definitely helps. And it's very... And you're not alone. You are not. people have gone through what you have gone through and you can get through it. That's the most important thing. Um, You just have to choose to stay. And you will be very surprised at at how people are are more than happy to, to talk to you about it. I know, especially during certain times of anyone's life, they don't feel like anyone necessarily wants to talk to them. It's not the case just your perception and it's an understandable perception but it it's something that i'm sure everyone will be happy to um shows is not always the most clear to quote winston churchill if you think you're going through hell keep going <laughs> probably one of the best winston churchill quotes uh, <laughs> although my favorite is Democracy is the worst form of government other than all of the other ones. <laughs> but we're not a politics show, so we're not going there. <laughs> no, we are not. Uh, <laughs> but 
next week we hopefully will have Rob back. Uh, I know after the All Star Game, we we took a bit of a break. That whole end of December, start of January, it's, it's not the best time for for doing hockey things. Um, but yeah, and just getting our schedules together with my new job and Rob's multiple jobs and your work <laughs> taking yeah, people don't, people don't know this Rob works so many jobs uh, it's crazy um, <laughs> I don't know how he finds time to do anything I barely have time to do anything fair <laughs> but uh, yeah um, stay tuned hopefully you'll be hearing us more consistently uh, but yeah. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you happen to be using. You can tweet at us at Desert Dogcast, FFH. Or tweet at me personally. I'm at Rose Colored Fact. I'm Carl Pavlock, FFH. I don't tweet much, but I still check it if people tag me in things. Or post on 5forhowling.com. I check that far more frequently. Um, yeah. You know how to find us. It's 2020 now. Everyone knows how the internet works. <laughs> and have a good night. <laughs> Bye, everybody.